It's all very well, though, to say that we can remove mammary masses as soon as they happen. And that's not so it's not a fatal condition. Or if your dog develops pyometra, they can have surgery and they generally recover very, very well from that. So it's generally a very successfully treatable condition, whereas some of these other diseases may be less treatable. But if you can't afford treatment for a pyometra, then that is a fatal condition. So it becomes a fatal disease. If you can't afford to have those mammary masses removed, again, the chance of them spreading to other parts of the body is going to be much higher. And it goes from being a treatable to a fatal disease. So that's really the nuance that we need to think about. Welcome to the Call the Vet Show, the podcast that helps keep your furry family as healthy as possible so they can live the full and happy life they deserve. And here's your host, veterinarian, Dr. Alex Avery. Welcome, welcome, welcome along to another episode of the Call the Vet show. I've got a really fantastic one for all of you dog lovers out there. So we've got a combination, an end of year special, if you like, where I'm actually answering three questions and diving deep into the timing of spaying and neutering for your dog. That's always a hot topic and always generates some really good and interesting discussion. I'm also talking about cystitis and when do you, how to know if your dog has got cystitis or whether they're just having an accident because they get caught a little bit short. And then when should you be changing your dog from a puppy food to an adult diet and why does that really matter? But before I get into all that, welcome to the Call the Vet show. This is the podcast that brings you the information you need to help you optimise your pet's life so that they can live the full and happy life that they deserve. And if we haven't met before, then my name is Dr. Alex and I'm the veterinarian behind OurPetsHealth.com and this very podcast. So welcome along. Really happy to have you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you're not subscribed already. And this has something for every dog owner. So make sure you share it far and wide with all of your dog loving friends and family. And then just before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to remind you or let you know if you don't know already about my free guide, Pet Health Essentials. So this is the guide that gives you my five key steps to avoid the most common diseases that I see every day as a veterinary surgeon. The five things that you need to think about to optimise your pet's health and happiness while also saving you money on your vet bills at the same time. And who doesn't want to do that? So you can grab that free guide today simply by heading over to ourpetshealth.com slash free guide. But for now, let's jump into today's question. Hi, my name is Jennifer Burns and I'm a certified behavior consultant and certified professional dog trainer. I own Conscious Dog Training and I also run a free positive reinforcement puppy training group on Facebook called Positive Puppy Training and Support. We get a lot of vet questions and we always refer people out to their vets. Some of our top few questions include, what is the best age to spay and neuter? We also get asked how to tell if a dog has a UTI or if it's just regular puppy potty training issues. Again, we always refer people, but what would be the telltale signs of a UTI? And then lastly, how long should a puppy be on puppy food? So we'd love to know. Thank you. So there's some great questions there, Jennifer, and hopefully I'll be able to give you a little bit of my insight into some of the things that your audience will want to think about. 
Let's start with the best time, the best age to spay and neuter your dog. So the traditional kind of dogmatic view was always that we should do that at about five to six months of age, certainly for our female dogs before they have their first season. And that age was the same for our male dogs as well. But that has been challenged over recent years. And I know that a lot of vets are definitely changing or have changed their recommendations over the last few years. I've certainly changed in the way I've practiced since I graduated from when I graduated and we were doing it at six months routinely and now there are a lot more nuances to that decision but there's not a one-size-fits-all and I think that's important to to emphasize so it is a decision that needs to be made there's not a 100% correct answer and so you need to think about what life is like for your dog what your appetite for risk is what your financial situation is like even before you can make your own personal decision now what do I think is a kind of a general broad recommendation I would say that for small breed dogs so dogs that are maybe less than about 20 kilos so I know a 20 kilo dog isn't a small breed but that's kind of my cut off 20 to maybe 25 kilos depending on the breed again I would still recommend spaying at about six months of age um, or a little bit later. So just before that first season. For larger breed dogs, though, the situation is very different. And we're tending to recommend that large breed dogs, so again, dogs that are over that maybe 20 kilos, so that's 44 pounds or so, we're waiting for them to be 12 months of age or older the bigger the dog maybe the longer that we wait so even pushing that out to 18 months might be an idea so let's discuss why that's the case and what what the benefits of spaying are so the big benefits of spaying and why we do this procedure in the first place are a reduction in mammary cancer so that we know we know if we spay before the third season we reduce the incidence of mammary cancer by about 75 percent if we're doing it before that second season we're reducing it by about 95 percentish and if we're doing it before that first season we're reducing it by about 99 percent you know those are rough figures but you can see that's a huge benefit if we're spending them later than that so after their third season although we still have a reduction in mammary cancer it's not nearly as marked as those early years Spaying, we're also preventing the risk of pyometra, so that's an infection of the uterus where we need emergency surgery to successfully treat that. There is a medical treatment possibility that isn't really suitable for every dog and it doesn't prevent the problem coming back later on which is almost a guarantee so we do tend to need surgery and often that happens in the middle of the night or a weekend and can cost a lot of money. There does also seem to be a longer life so spayed female dogs do tend to live longer than unspayed female dogs. We reduce roaming so that is an issue you might think well your dog gets out and they have a little wander around and come back. The big risk with roaming is that you get two things we can get a, a trauma on the road so they'll get hit by cars because they're you know not particularly streetwise and if they're looking for a mate they're going to run across busy roads. We also get more unwanted pregnancies so if your dog is entire they're roaming they're more likely to come across an entire male and they're going to get pregnant and have an unwanted litter. Spaying also means that we eliminate the risk of pregnancy so those risks are maybe a cesarean section and also eclampsia so a low blood calcium which can be fatal not particularly common but it's a risk nonetheless and then the other big benefit of spaying 
kind of touched on, we reduce the risk of unwanted litters, so unwanted puppies that then end up being rehomed, they get abandoned, they find their way to shelters, and unfortunately there's a massive problem with unwanted dogs being abandoned and end up being euthanized. So that's not something that anybody wants, and we certainly don't want to contribute to that problem and end up with a, a whole load of lovely puppies that end up being killed. But there are potential risks with spaying your female dog. Now, the first risk is clearly going to be the surgery itself and the anaesthetic itself. By and large, it's very, very safe. The incidence of problems and side effects and major side effects with that is very, very low. But again, there's a risk nonetheless. Urinary incontinence is another problem we can get after spaying. That does seem to be more of a problem if we're spaying really early. So those are our kind of 12-week-old neuters. So that's why we don't do it before six months of age, because we don't want to really increase that risk of urinary incontinence. Although an older spayed female dog can also, or, or I should say a dog who's spayed at an older age can still have a higher incidence of urinary incontinence, which can be something that can be sometimes quite tricky to manage, or it certainly if it's easy to manage, it does it or it may mean lifelong medication. Obesity is a big thing. So obesity, there's a massive obesity epidemic sweeping across the world with people as well as our pets, but neutered dogs and that spayed or neutered males, they are going to have a higher incidence of obesity. The reason is that they need less energy to maintain themselves. They don't have all those hormones driving things that need to be maintained and we simply overfeed them. Now, there are changes in the metabolism as well, which doesn't help when it comes to putting on weight. But it's really important that when we neuter or spay our dogs, that we actually adjust their diet accordingly to prevent obesity, which is definitely possible. It's not a given that they're going to become overweight, but we do need to be conscious of that risk and take steps to avoid it. Now, the other big risk, and this is one of the really big ones why we're delaying spaying in bigger dogs, is the risk of cruciate ligament disease as well as other joint abnormalities. So the cruciate ligament is something within the knee joint and that can rupture, it can break and tear, and the incidence of that is higher in some large breeds of dogs who are spayed before 12 months of age. So it's not, uh, it's not the case for every single large breed of dog, and there's been some quite mixed results in the different studies that have been done but it's a significant injury it's an injury that can cost a lot of money to put right and so if we can avoid increasing the risk of that happening then all the better and like I say that's one of the big reasons why we're delaying spaying and neutering in large breed dogs until after 12 months of age or a little bit later as well as those other joint problems we're getting maybe hip dysplasia maybe increased incidence of elbow problems but again that's very breed specific and it's certainly not a given that that is definitely the case the information is very mixed at this stage but there's no there's there's little harm really in waiting until they're over 12 months of age cancer risk is something else that can increase with neutering Again, that's very mixed because clearly we're reducing mammary cancer and the incidence of mammary cancer is really pretty significant in unspayed dogs and it can be fatal. So it's not simply we're increasing the risk of cancer because some of the more common ones we're actually reducing by spaying. The big one, though, is Rottweilers and osteosarcoma. So that's a horrible bone tumour. It's incredibly painful. It's a very, very aggressive um, and is, yeah, is really a, a horrible disease. And Rottweilers, the increased risk seems to be huge. So they go from maybe a 1 in 10 risk to a 1 in 4 risk. So that's, again, something that we need to think about and we need to bear in mind. And so we're delaying, definitely delaying, till 
over 12 months of age for those breeds of dogs because of that increased risk if it's carried out earlier. And then the final potential increased risk with spaying your dog is an autoimmune diseases. Now, these are not very common. They're pretty rare diseases, but there is the potential that the immune system gets affected and it starts attacking itself. That's what an autoimmune disease is. So the classic ones here are something called autoimmune hemolytic anemia, where the body's immune system actually attacks and destroys the red blood cells. Really not a very nice disease, but it's rare. So there's a couple of things that we need to think about when we're having this discussion about the best age for spaying. One is, although we're increasing the risk of certain diseases, are we increasing the risk of a very, very uncommon disease that still is very, very uncommon, even with that increased risk? Or are we increasing the risk of a disease that is pretty common and as a result of that increase it becomes very common so we need to consider the frequency of those problems and what that change in risk is affecting so clearly the benefits pyometra is very common so pyometra one in four dogs by the time they get to 10 years of age will develop pyometra so that's very very common in unspayed dogs equally mammary tumors as well are very common in unspayed dogs so if we can significantly reduce the risk of that we're going to have a massive impact on a dog's health their quality of life and and their longevity which is shown up by the fact that neutered spayed dogs do seem to live longer than unneutered dogs the other key thing we need to think about when we're making these recommendations and thinking what's right for your dog is actually how affordable are these conditions for you. So if your dog does develop a pyometra, are you going to be able to easily afford to have them treated, have that surgery performed in the middle of the night at an emergency clinic, which is going to cost you a lot of money. There's no two ways about it. Are you going to be able to afford to remove any mammary masses that do occur as soon as they occur? So there may be several surgeries that your dog needs from that point of view because if you can jump onto those conditions early and and treat them successfully then it may be that you're happy to keep your dog entire for longer or keep them entire to avoid some of those more untreatable conditions that may be a higher risk it's all very well though to say that we can remove mammary masses as soon as they happen and that's not so it's not a fatal condition or if your dog develops pyometra they can have surgery and they generally recover very very well from that so it's generally a very successfully treatable condition whereas some of these other diseases may be less treatable but if you can't afford treatment for a pyometra, then that is a fatal condition. So it becomes a fatal disease. If you can't afford to have those mammary masses removed, again, the chance of them spreading to other parts of the body is going to be much higher. And it goes from being a treatable to a fatal disease. So that's really the nuance that we need to think about. So there really is no one size fits all. And if you want to jump into more details and more information about some of the risks and benefits and discussions around that, then I've got another kind of much more detailed post and I'll leave links in the show notes to that as well. So when should you castrate your male dog? Now, the benefits of castrating, neutering a male dog are less clear cut than a female dog. Now, there are definite benefits. So those benefits are reduced roaming and trauma on the road. So dogs will really try their best to break out and get to the bitch on heat down the road. And in doing so, they are going to have an increased risk of getting serious injuries and even killed on the road. We're going to get reduced behavioural problems, potentially reduced behavioural problems, because something like fear aggression is actually increased if we neuter a fear aggressive dog. But there's a potential reduction in behavioural problems, so other aggressions and hormonally driven problems but also those behaviors of trying to break out and get to the the female dog on heat down the road 
We get a reduction in certain prostatic diseases, so something called benign prostatic hyperplasia, which is a normal process in older dogs where the prostate becomes much larger and it grows, and that can cause problems with increasing risk of infection, with problems going to the toilet, so defecating because it can effectively uh, compress the colon and, and block the stools from being passed. Prostatic cysts and that kind of thing are also reduced. Now, neutering a male dog, though, doesn't reduce the risk of prostatic cancers, which is something that's clearly uh, important to bear in mind. Although, thankfully, those types of cancers are pretty rare and uncommon in our male dogs. Other benefits of castrating your male dog, it's going to reduce unwanted puppies, which are going to, again, go into the shelter system and unfortunately be euthanized. There's a huge problem with that. Uh, and it's very difficult sometimes to find forever homes for puppies, especially if we're not breeding on purpose. It may be when that female dog becomes pregnant, they don't know what breed of dog that male was. And so they become less desirable for a rehoming situation. And there are potential side effects to getting castrated. So they're very similar to female dogs. It includes things like joint disease, increased risk of cruciate ligament disease for our big breed dogs. That really is a bigger breed dog problem rather than a small breed dog problem. It may increase the risk of certain cancers. It's going to increase the chance of developing autoimmune diseases, although again, those are very uncommon conditions and so castration is less important for male dogs and, and maybe has less medical benefits compared to spaying for female dogs now that doesn't mean it shouldn't be done and i think in a lot of incident in, in a lot of situations it really is very important but if you can be certain that your dog is held in a secure area they're kept in a secure garden yard and they cannot escape so they cannot contribute to that population of unwanted puppies that then get abandoned into shelters and then end up being euthanized which is such a horrible situation to be in uh, and if there's no behavioral problems that are hormonally driven then leaving your dog entire is certainly a fair enough decision if you can't guarantee those things though then you really need to get your dog fixed because the the health benefits are are there for them there are definite health benefits and they're not going to be contributing to that unwanted dog population you know, however you look at it, that is a problem for all entire dog owners to be aware of. And you definitely don't want your dog to be responsible. Even with a male dog, you're not going to have to deal with those puppies, but someone else is going to have to deal with them and someone else is going to have to euthanize them when they end up being rehomed to a shelter. So that is your responsibility. There's no two ways about it. And also if they are showing any hormonally driven behavioral problems in, you know, castration may be a really good benefit for that. It doesn't mean that you can avoid needing to socialize your puppy properly that's incredibly important and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't consult a, a veterinarian or behavioral specialist to see if there's any other options there but castration definitely has a role so let's change tack and how can we tell if a puppy has a urinary tract infection or if it's just potty training problems and they're having accidents on the floor because they're not quite able to get to the toilet get outside in time or let you know what's going on so the first thing to say is that urinary tract infection in puppies is really not very common. So the probability says that it's more likely just a bit of an accident rather than an infection. But there are some hallmarks for a UTI and those include straining to go to the toilet. So if your dog seems to be squatting or cocking their leg and they're straining or they seem to not really be passing very much, and they're going more frequently, then that is a real hallmark of a urinary tract infection. 
that passing of small amounts of urine so they might not even be straining but if they're only passing very small drips rather than kind of a big puddle um, which they would normally produce then that's a sign that there may be an infection going on as well you might notice a change in that urine so puppy urine is often quite um, quite dilute it's often quite watery it doesn't have a really really strong smell so if you notice that the urine is starting to smell an awful lot more strongly if it's becoming cloudy or if it's changing color so a, a stronger yellow it might even be pink or even bloody if there's a severe urinary tract infection then those are definite definite warning signs that everything isn't right you might also find that your dog is licking their vulva or licking their prep use their penis more often because everything's stinging it's a bit fiery down there and so they're licking that to try and relieve that irritation and then finally, your dog might have difficulty settling. So because they're uncomfortable, they might be kind of pacing a little bit. They're not going to be lying and resting as they normally would. And they just seem a little bit unsettled. So that's a sign that there could be something going on. Now, that's a sign that there could be another illness as well. So contrasting to this, puppies that are just having accidents because they're not quite able to hold on or they suddenly need to go and they weren't aware of it. And so they're having an accident in the house are that they're having a much bigger pool of urine. So they're fully emptying their bladder and that's going to be quite a lot of urine so they're going to have a bigger puddle the urine is going to be you know non-smelly uh, it's going to be quite watery so it's not going to be a strong color and otherwise your dog is behaving completely normally that's much more likely to be a potty training problem equally the time that they have their accident is going to be a bit of a clue here as well so puppies will often need to go to the toilet straight away after they've eaten or after they've woken up so if your dog seems to be having accidents at those particular times then it's much more likely that it is an accident rather than an underlying urinary tract infection and so if you're suspicious that your puppy does have a UTI then there's a few things that you need to do the first thing is if you can collect a urine sample because that's going to be so helpful and give a lot of information to your vet there's a number of different ways that we can collect a urine sample ideally we don't want to be sucking it off the floor because that's going to then be contaminated by the dirt and grime and everything that's on the floor and the bacteria that's definitely causes problems when it comes to interpreting that sample so ideally you take your dog for a walk take them outside on a leash and collect a urine sample as they go to the toilet so there's a number of different ways that you can do that wear gloves if you have them that can be helpful to you know keep keep you nice and clean but you can use just a, a takeaway container or another way to do it is a ladle actually and that allows you to kind of nip it underneath your dog and catch the urine without kind of freaking them out by bending down and scooting down too low because sometimes dogs can be a little bit weirded out by you kind of trying to collect their urine now once you've got that sample and you don't need gallons of the stuff we only need a few drops so if that's all you can get then fantastic if you can get more great pop that urine sample into a thoroughly cleaned glass jar so that could be a jam jar or something like that ideally we want to be testing that as soon as possible but if you can't take that into the vet straight away pop it into the fridge until you can and then the second thing you need to do is clearly make an appointment with your vet so that they can check them over, they can examine that urine and they can treat your puppy's urinary tract infection if it's present. And so finally, when should you change your dog's diet from a puppy food to an adult dog food? Well, that's going to depend on their breed and their size. When I say size and when we're talking about size, we're thinking about what that 
adult weight is going to be and what their healthy adult weight is going to be. So you need to maybe think about what the standards are for, for your dog's breed and also how big their parents were because there is a huge variation actually within breeds of what size they're going to be. But by and large, we think small breed dogs, they mature a lot faster than our large breed dogs and so they need to be transitioned earlier. Now, toy breed dogs are the first ones. So they are dogs maybe less than four kilos or kind of about eight, nine pounds-ish. And they're going to need to be transitioned at about seven to eight months from puppy food to adult dog food. Now, small breed dogs are next, and those are dogs that are less than about eight kilos or 20 pounds, um, but are bigger than those toy breeds. And they're usually ready to tr transition from puppy food at about nine to 12 months of age. Medium breed dogs are so those between about eight kilos and 25 kilos or 20 to 55 pounds are going to need to be transitioned at about 12 months of age. So a year of age, they're going to move from puppy to adult dog food. And then our large breed dogs are so those that are more than about 50 pounds when fully grown. They actually might not be ready to switch until they're about 15 months of age. Finally, our giant breed dogs. So those that are over 45 kilos or 100 pounds, they really are very slow to mature and they're going to need to stay on puppy food until about 18 months of age. So until they're about a year and a half. Now, the reason that it's important that we don't transition to adult dog food too soon is that the nutrient requirements, so the calcium, the phosphorus, the protein requirements for our puppies are very, very different compared to our adult dogs because they're growing. And that's why our larger breed dogs, they take a long time to reach that adult weight, much longer time to reach that adult weight. And so they need to stay on that puppy food for longer. So if we transition a puppy too soon, then we can end up with growth problems. So that could be joint problems, uh, a problem with bony development, but also muscle development and just general health as a whole. If though we transition too late because puppy diets are much higher in energy, their calorific content is more, we can end up with a situation where we're getting a dog who is overweight and obese. That's a really common problem and has a massive impact on general body health well into the future and actually reduces the, the quality and the quantity of life for our dogs. And while it's possible to reverse that and clearly reverse any weight gain that does take place, a dog who is overweight in their early years is much more likely to remain overweight or become overweight again as they get older. So really that is something to avoid at all costs as well. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on these topics, especially the spay neuter timing one. We all love it when recommendations and evidence is black and white. And unfortunately, that's often not the case when it comes to our pet's health, although certain people will have you believe that really there is a right and a wrong answer, but they're oversimplifying things and they're really not giving you the nuances that you need to make the best decision for you. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are, what your decisions have been. You can catch me over on Instagram where my handle's at Our Pets Health and also on Facebook where I'm at Our Pets Health TV. So you can check me out there. Um, send me a DM over on Instagram. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Remember as well to check out that free guide, Pet Health Essentials, so that you can really take the first steps to optimising your pet's health so that they can live the healthy and happy life that they deserve. You can get that at ourpetshealth.com slash free guide. And I'll leave all the links to everything I've discussed today in the show notes as well. 
And lastly, if you're feeling in a generous festive mood, I'd appreciate it so much if you could share this podcast with three or four of your dog loving friends and family. It really helps grow the podcast, helps attract more listeners, lets people know that it's something that's worth their time and allows me ultimately to help more people and more pets, which is really what I'm all about. So that's it from me for this week. I'm looking forward to catching up with you again next week for the final episode of the year. But until then, I'm Dr. Alex. This is the Call the Vet Show. Take care. Thanks for listening to Call the Vet. For full show notes and any links mentioned in today's show, head over to callthevet.org, where you can also submit your question to be featured on an upcoming episode. We'll see you next time.